Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Greetings, comrades, and welcome to Eastern Border. This week's episode is going to be a bit of a challenging one. I had prepared a nice little script about how I've moved to Ludza, and we have a local hero here, a general in the Napoleonic Wars, which you're going to get probably next week. But this week, I kind of have to come down a bit. You see, I have to go to the hospital for the next week, so next episode is going to be probably late. Because my knee, with my nice bone cancer and all, is acting up, I'm gonna have a relapse, and I'm gonna be blasted with radiation. But, you know, 3.06, not bad, not terrible. <laughs> Fun, you have to look at the bright side of life. Um, I'm gonna have to do that, but now I'm just too shocked, and I don't know what to do, and I can't bring myself up to record the full episode today. So I'll just be answering some listener questions and dealing with you. Because I'll be also in Boston from 9th of October up until the 15th of October, I think, when the Sound Education Conference is happening. And after that, I'll be in New York, and God willing, I'll go more south than that on the East Coast, or maybe more. But I wish I could assure that to you. It was all planned out, but no, it isn't, because... Frankly speaking, yeah, my health issues do take a priority, and they're a bit troubling. Because, you know, every time your uh, cancer relapses, then you have this little nice fear of death inside of you, where you don't want to go any further. But yeah, I'll be up in Boston, shipping out there. I've dropped so many pop culture references in this episode that I don't even... I'll drop off to Boston, hang out with my friend Sam Davis, be in the Sound Education Conference in Harvard for the second time, where I'll be speaking about my experiences in Donbass and the war, and the war corresponding thing. And then I want to see the Big Apple. I'll be in NYC with my friends. And, uh, well, hopefully everything goes smoothly as planned, because this is... I don't even know. I just can't catch a break. I, I don't want to bring this up into my podcast, because I've studied a lot about other shows and how they, you know, get personal sympathies, and I don't want that. I want to bring quality content, but sometimes it just gets kind of hard. But 
as this is my job and I'm now in Ludza and I'm waiting to pounce on the chance to go to Russia as soon as the troubles hit. Because yeah, I'm ready to willing to put my feet where my mouth is and when I say that I think that Russia is gonna go into end that of troubles and they're gonna have some issues, I will go there and I will report from there because that's my duty as a journalist. So I have moved to Ludza and we'll move onwards. So, I'm gonna use this episode not to speak about the hero of Luza, Yakov Koinev, which is a Napoleon Kata general, which is considered the hero among his peers, which is gonna be the next episode. This episode, I will just answer listening questions and talk about what I have learned by listening to um, Whistle Stop, a podcast with the presidency by John Dickerson, who used to be on Face the Nation, now he's on 60 Minutes, I think. Because I sometimes listen about the United States history and presidents and all that stuff and kind of compare them to Soviet Union and their leaders and modern Russia and Latvia and Estonia and Lithuania and, you know, all of our countries. And recently I listened to an episode about how Kennedy met Khrushchev in Vienna just before the Cuban crisis. And the problem is that it always seems that Americans are more focused on idealism, on this can-do attitude, on this kind of their ideals of the nation than on the pragmatic tasks at hand. And that's not an offense there, guys, just that cultural differences. Hey, I was like called a fascist recently on Twitter because apparently I can't just, you know, ask people to uh, be more centrist in a way and be reasonable about arguments because everything's gone crazy and you know you can't doubt one side unless you want to be called a tanky which people have called the show because of our logo i have had arguments just because i posted on the internet that yeah i do did support communists in the previous election of moscow gosduma and that i was called a tanky and a far left person at the same time i was just called a far right person and a fascist and I guess I'm a loyal centrist here, so I try to apply reason. But the thing that I'm bringing this up is because I listened to this episode and it was all so shocking to me how a Western interpretation goes about this meeting and how they viewed Khrushchev, which, by the way, you pronounce Khrushchev. Khrushchev. There is no K in Khrushchev. I mean, but that's, that's my own issues. But... I was just wondering about how you guys pronounce things and how your mentality works. And when I mean you guys, I mean the Anglosphere in general. Because that's another thing that a lot of my listeners have brought up, that when I speak to you directly, I sometimes just say United States, because, well, 80% of my listeners come from your country, United States of America. Yet I have a lot of Canadian listeners and Australian listeners, and well, they sometimes take offense that I mention United States specifically instead of just saying the Anglosphere. Because, yeah, I love Canada. I consider Canada to be among the best countries on planet Earth. And if, if I had to voluntarily migrate somewhere, if I wouldn't, you know, get my buttocks into danger at all times and wouldn't want to do this show, I would probably move to Canada. Because Canada rules, and I just consider that to be among the best countries on planet Earth. But these people sometimes are wary about being compared to Americans. And that also plays into this mentality thing that I want to talk about today when you compare, for example, the very same Kennedy to Khrushchev. I mean, at the meeting and even at the Cuban Missile Crisis, Kennedy was a relatively young president, 
he was playing up this young image. However, if you have listened to Dan Carlin's episode on the subject matter, then you would know that he was attended by his so-called Dr. Feelgood, and he was taking amphetamine shots. Meanwhile, Khrushchev was growing up as a poor peasant in Kharkov, then participated in the Communist Party uprisings there, and he was a you know little boy and an activist when the revolution came, and he was also one of the proletariat people. It was quite interesting to compare how the people became leaders. From one side, you can say that, yeah, the Soviet leaders were definitely more authoritarian and more, you know, dictator-like, but if you look at the history of the American presidency, and if you look at the history of how the leaders of the USSR were elected, then you will note the discrepancy where the Soviet leaders were always from the people. Now, that's one thing that I have to give credit to them. They were always members of revolution or of the proletariat. Well, except Lenin, of course, but, you know, from Stalin onwards, all the Soviet leaders came from very humble backgrounds. They didn't have much in the way of education. They didn't come from any elite families. And it wasn't expected from them to deal with that on the outside perspective, if you think about it. And then you contrast the whole systems. I mean... The Soviet leaders were those who were the most ruthless and cunning who got to the top in this bizarre, strange Soviet pseudo-communist system. Meanwhile, in the United States of America, it was just this ideals of liberty and at the same time this, in a way, elitism, if you put it that way, that brought you upwards. So that kind of makes me worry in a bit, because... When I speak about the Soviet Union, and answer a lot of listener questions as well. There's always this, oh boy, Kennedy should have crossed Khrushchev. But Khrushchev came from a harsher background. Khrushchev was definitely tougher than Kennedy. Kennedy had more bravado and more chutzpah in him. But Khrushchev was a slow-burning candle, the one that burns for a long time and goes utterly insane as he grows older, obviously. But that's for the Cuban Missile Crisis episode. However, that still wonders me about the fact that, like I said, I was called a fascist, and then it makes me wonder, when do our kind of lines of operation intersect? When are we more similar than we are not? I mean, right now, at the given moment, Latvia would like to call itself a member of the Western Europe, yet how Western are we? And where is the crossing line there? And if you think about it today, how are we even surviving together how are we functioning in a world where even though we are well at least in mind of the planet in the european union there are so many different peoples because you wouldn't want to call the french and the spanish to be alike they would hate each other even though they're you know both white which is a matter of interest to people from the colonies but here it doesn't matter as much as the cultural differences are just way way too more important. So, I'd rather want to take time in this episode to discuss this with you, because it always confuses me when I read statements that Kennedy was somehow experienced or young, and, and Khrushchev was this leader in decline. That kind of symbolizes the Soviet Union in general, don't you think? And the whole United States affair as well. Because Soviets, even though they were even a younger country than the United States, they still came up from a much older tradition. They came up from this older space. They came up from this 
position of old Russian Empire. They were built upon the bones of many, many old people and tradition. Meanwhile, the United States had come up with this kind of new ideal version of the world. And nowadays, when we look at this whole Cold War conflict, it's easy to forget that it just wasn't a counterposition of two countries, of two political powers, two economical powerhouses and military powerhouses who struggled against each other. It was truly a battle of ideologies to the ranks that we don't see today. What if we do see today, then, well, it's on the painting of a black and white schedule. You see, either you are a far lefty stanky commie, or you are a Nazi scum. One or the other, there is no middle ground. And at the same time, we relive this position. This is nothing new. This is something that has happened before. We had this counter position. We had this whole thing. We had this Soviets versus the free world, represented by the United States, position. But at the same time, they were, you know, they had meetings. They balanced each other with reason. They tried to make peace work. They tried to make world not go to war. They tried to operate by the standards of the era, and they had political norms. And they could be held accountable for their actions, right? Even though I hope that we won't see this kind of a this counterposition and this opposition to each other as we had seen in the Cold War. If you think about the left and the right today, and that includes the United States and my own country, Latvia, and other countries as well, right now we're in a political position where the left and the right just smashes each other, even though the left and the right mean totally different things here in Latvia as they do in the United States, they still hate each other. And even though people are very much vary about the Cold War and how it went down there, what people tend to forget is that Back then, some sort of reason prevailed. We didn't get into a nuclear warfare. Even though the United States and the USSR clearly were enemies, they were not bloody enemies. They were not uh, murderous enemies. They came to the table and they spoke to each other. They didn't see each other as the ultimate evil, in a way. Well, sure, in the inside propaganda, which was meant for local consumption, sure they did, especially the Soviet Union, can't really tell about the United States, but I'm sure that the old recollections about the Red Scare, well, they at least must have some merit to them. But right now, if you think about this, then compare this contrast of the left and the right to today's contrast of the left and the right. Hey guys, Annette here. I hope you are enjoying our new episode of The Eastern Border. As always, a big thank you to all of our Patreons. The show would not be possible without your help. If you are not a Patreon and would like to become one, head over to the Eastern Border page on Patreon.com. Please remember to also follow us on our social media, like Twitter, where we are known as Eastern underscore Border, and on our Facebook page. We also have a Discord server, so if you're interested in that, find the link in the description of this podcast. That's it for now. See you online. This podcast brought to you by RussianVoiceOvers.eu. Enjoy. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. 
When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. If you think about today's people today's atmosphere on the left, then you can associate them with Khrushchev. And if you think of today's right, you can associate them with Kennedy. And even though some people will just, you know, scream bloody murder to me, and how do I dare to call Kennedy right wing in today's atmosphere? Yeah, well, because by those standards of the day they were, and even by today's standards in Europe, Kennedy would be a right wing person. Even though he was a Democrat, even though he was a Catholic, John F. Kennedy would be a center-right. Nikita Khrushchev would be quite far to the left. So that's what I operate from. Because people tend to forget that it's not always about ideologies, it's sometimes about meanings and, and, and what we put to these words. What does it mean to be left or right? When you get called tanky and communist and a fascist scum, on basically the same day you try to revaluate those things, and that also comes into mind even more, uh, like if you're in my position and then you kind of need to go to doctor to deal with your cancer, which is fun all in itself. But I just wonder sometimes, because, you know, I've been reading on this historical matters, because that'll come up, and I've also been reading on, say, how Stalin dealt with the Yalta Conference, how Stalin dealt with Winston Churchill and FDR, also... Uh, how we blasted each other to bits, verbally, that is, because, again, Winston Churchill was right when he said that a lot of jaw-jaw is better than a little war-war. If you think about it, well, if Stalin and Winston Churchill could come together and sit at a table and talk and have a conversation, then how come in modern day's media stage, my show, out of all the bloody things, gets called radical names when I'm, all I'm trying to do is being a centrist? And I think I have an answer, because in today's atmosphere, back then, people were very diplomatic. When people said words to each other in this uh, argument between Kennedy and Khrushchev back then, then they had to be very careful about the words they chose. And the other side, both sides, in fact, they knew that the words they chose mattered, and that they only should pick the words that they knew the other side would tolerate and respect, because Khrushchev, for example, in the meeting with Kennedy, hated the word miscalculation, misunderstanding, which Kennedy in Vienna tried to use to explain how a nuclear war might break out. And Khrushchev deliberately said to Kennedy that, hey, I hate this word misunderstanding or miscalculation, that makes no sense to me. And what he was trying to tell him is that, no, if the Soviet Union would launch a nuke towards the United States of America, or anywhere else in the planet, that would not be because of miscalculation. That would be because the Khrushchev himself ordered it to happen. You see, it would be a deliberate choice, and that the Soviet Union leadership is a planned one, and that they make no mistakes. Well, surely they did, but 
it's a deliberate choice of words when it's like, yeah, you know, let us solve this misunderstanding, let's not fire nukes at each other, and Khrushchev responds to young Kennedy there with a statement that, no, 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 you don't, you don't get it. It's not about misunderstandings, it's about whether or not I want to shoot nukes at you. It's a deliberate choice of the matter. Now, are you ready to make that choice? Are you ready to step over those boundaries? Are you ready to do this? And then Kennedy kind of grew up after the Vienna Conference, and in his own words, he said that, he obviously publicly said it was like, you know, no threats were made, even though it's all about the Berlin crisis. But in private, in his memoirs, he wrote that it was the biggest failures of his life. And even though we now live in a political atmosphere that discourages all debate and dissenting opinions, and where we take all the opinions of the opposing sides politically personally, we should stop and maybe learn from these Kennedy-Khrushchev conversations. We should look at the era on the planet Earth where truly the most hostile countries, hostile ideologies were struggling and facing each other, and they didn't interpret the words the other side said in the most hostile manner. They interpreted them exactly as they were said, and sometimes calling out the bluffs of the other side, obviously, but never threatening, and never being hostile to the neutral countries. Why? Because, well, in the Cold War era, there were three sides. There were the Soviets, there were the free world, as the United States like to call it, the filthy capitalists, as we call them here, and then there were the neutrals. I mean, Mr. Nasser of Egypt, who was like leader of the country who opened the Suez Canal, yeah, Mr. Gabriel Nasser, he was a guy who wore both the Iron Cross awarded to him by the Nazis, together with his hero of the Soviet Union medal awarded to him by the Soviets, because that's how the political aims played out. There were neutral sides, and instead of calling all the neutrals, or centrists in modern-day era, their deadly enemies, the people were just much more relaxed and calm, instead of trying to paint those people who were more on the neutral side their enemies, they tried to, you know, get them to be their friends which doesn't happen these days. So, I'm just wondering how heated all this has to be for people to find out that it is a bit too heated. I mean, inside of modern political spectrum, within the Western world at least, it's very hard to even comprehend the levels of animosity that the Soviets in the United States were feeling towards each other. And in the modern world, it's easy to call each other names and be angry at one another because, you know, not like some students are going to throw uh, bombs at other students. And by bombs, I mean nuclear armaments and, uh, you know, destroy the whole world. But the level of animosity that we have grown to hate each other with in the political spectrum, even on the show like this one, where all I want to defend is the freedom of speech and prudence and reason and, you know, political judgment without any, any ideologies behind them. When I'm trying to tell you the story of my people and sometimes comment on the politics, always defending the liberties of man, because I hold them sacred and the most valuable thing ever, and I am a pacifist that hates war in all of its forms, and I think, like I said, that we should abstain from all violence whatsoever if we want to survive on this planet together. Now, if both sides now in this political argument call me their direct opposite, one calling me a fanatical communist, because they have, like, listened to some 
short minutes of my show where I approximately have said some good things about the Soviet Union and the communist system in general, and if the other side calls me a fascist, then, well, something is wrong. Something is wrong, and I don't mean in the sense that my knee is wrong, I mean in the sense that you should really, really look into this matter and try to fix this, and that involves Europe as well. And that is why making this show is a complex matter, because 30% of my listeners vote Democrat, 30% vote Republican, and 40% are independents or libertarians. Yeah, that's from the American listeners. And that's difficult, because I am a centrist, and I don't want to offend anyone. I believe we can all work together. We can all build a better future. For me, for you, for me here in Latvia, for you there in the United States, or Canada for that matter. And I'm arguing with people who are on the far right from the positions of more moderate left, and I'm arguing with people on the left from the positions of, you know, more like center-right. But I don't hate anyone. And neither should you. I mean, Kennedy and Khrushchev were opposed to each other. They were really representing the opposite ideologies. They came from vastly different backgrounds. They came from vastly different experiences. They were vastly different people. However, they couldn't afford one thing. They could not afford to hate each other. They could afford to misguide each other, to lie to each other, to try to trick each other, to try to outsmart one another. However, they could not afford to hate each other, because that would spell doom for the rest of us, for the whole world. And I would like, if all of you think about all these issues the same way as they did back then. Because what else do we have? Well, not much. Unless we want to devolve into some sort of chaos or madness or some other unpleasantness. So think about it before you call someone else names on the internet. Remember that even Khrushchev and Kennedy met and talked and it didn't go from jaw-jaw to war-war, and neither it should right now. And also remember that Kennedy was representing the right on this whole meeting issue. And, yeah, I'm sorry, but I'll end with this today, because I'm gonna go to the hospital, because I have to be there for a week. I'll try to get my historical episode out, I'll script it while I'll be in the hospital and try to record it as I get out. And then I'll be in the United States, like I mentioned in the beginning. But, again, my message today for you is that we all need to be more tolerant and kind to each other, no matter if our opinions differ. But please, let me know in the email if you can maybe help me with uh, staying around in New York, if you want to meet me, if you want to hang out. And there's some special things coming for patrons. I just want to deal with my illness, and then I want to go to the States for a bit. До свидания, товарищи. Thank you for listening to the Eastern Border. If you have any comments or specific details you'd like to know, you're welcome to leave it in the comment section on our site, theeasternborder.lv, and we'll rummage even to the Western Border to find you an answer. Like this podcast? Subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, or on our RSS feed. Happiness is mandatory. Good reviews and donations feed the farmers of our kolkhoz in the great motherland. The Eastern Border salutes you. This podcast is part of the Dark Myths Collective. Visit darkmyths.org for more shows like this one. The Dark Myths Void. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. 
If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.